Welcome back. You're watching Stockwatch with me, Julieta Televi, and tackling your questions this evening, Aurela Siskin from Benguela Global Fund Managers and Independent Analyst Jimmy Moyaha. Uh, don't forget to send us questions. You can SMS 41392. You can email stockwatch at bdtv.co.za, or you can tweet us at businessdaytv using the hashtag Stockwatch. Aurela, Jimmy, good evening to you both. You're both in the grip of load shedding, so thank you very much for joining us this evening. Um, you could say that the mood was pretty and grim on the markets. Uh, Jimmy, if I may start with you, but at least it wasn't, you know, two or three percent weaker. It was a, a slight decline on the all share index today. Um, and I saw one comment on the FT saying it's, it feels like a make or break time for the markets. And I'm, I think they're referring to what the Fed might do in the course of the week. Uh, do you get that sense as well? Absolutely. I mean, the not just from the Fed perspective, we've got about 13 central banks this week meeting. Um, so everything from Switzerland to Sweden, Norway, South Africa included. Of course, all focus is on the Fed because they have been sort of that leading voice around the interest rate conversation and the trajectory that they will then give would give guidance to what we can expect from the rest of the world. Um, we did also see earlier that um, China actually dropped their rates, surprisingly enough, ahead of all of the news coming out this week. So there's definitely a sense in the market um, that, uh, especially on the equity side of things, that uh, a wait-and-see approach is much needed at this stage. Um, sitting on your hands rather than jumping too quickly into um, stocks is very important at this stage because what we could see coming out of the Fed is we could very well see that stocks might take uh, or might move up slightly about 10% or so, and then might fall another 20% thereafter if the mm. news is not received as positively as we expect. So at this stage, it is a very, very um, sensitive time within the market, and caution is definitely something that's needed at this stage. Yeah. Rilla, I mean, Jimmy is talking about uh, sitting on your hands. I mean, do you think that is the case, or do you actually hear the great big sucking sound of money coming out of equities and going into fixed income assets, <laughs> or just being yeah. sucked out of equities and waiting to be plowed into fixed income assets? I mean, is that really the trade uh, of the next few months? Yeah, I mean, what we've seen the last few weeks is really a lot of volatility. So, you know, so much uh, sort of market movement uh, in reaction to Fed rate hikes in uh, in reaction to inflation numbers. Um, so, I mean, I think they definitely are the traders that are benefiting. Um, but it's about, you know, from our view, it's taking a long-term view. So, you know, what is what, what is going to happen over the longer term? Um, yeah, and finding places within equity markets that will, will outperform other sectors. Where do you think those uh, uh, um, places or areas are? I mean, do you think there are there any obvious areas for you? Yeah, I mean, I think the obvious one is probably your your more staple sectors, um, which will see sort of uh, more stability going through a recessionary environment. Your uh, your food retailers, uh, food producers, um, and then also, I mean, more on a global perspective, those sort of big brands that are able to pass through price increases, which will sort of help offset some from volume decline um, as you see consumer demand come under pressure. Um, other sectors of the market, which may be adding some value or giving customers more value at this point, are things like the telcos, um, where you won't see demand drop off too much. Um, and as we see data prices coming down, sort of more usage there, so sort of higher traffic volume, sort of uh, helping profitability in that sector. 
Jimmy, your thoughts, I mean, uh, Rayla didn't mention one area which might uh, be the luxury goods sector, which I wonder, I mean, you know, you can pass on an amazing, you, you've got huge moats and huge pri uh, margins there anyway. And I imagine that they're probably going to be quite resilient throughout this period. Absolutely. I mean, what we saw during COVID was the luxury sector and the luxury goods uh, market actually outperformed expectations during COVID. Um, we did see that there was a sharp increase in uh, luxury goods and in the demand for luxury goods during COVID. I think at this stage, um, Rela's sort of narrowed it down to quite a good space around what we should be looking at. Um, I'm sort of more impartial towards um, your financial stocks, uh, your tech stocks, your telecom stocks. Uh, and the reason around that is you want to be staying away from spaces that uh, are going to be continued to be affected by certain things. We've seen that there's been uh, cost push uh, inflationary pressures on certain spaces uh, actually across the board. And we've also seen that um, in the space where it relates to uh, things around uh, goods and con certain consumables, there have been supply chain disruptions. So you want to be staying away from potential uh, companies that could be affected by supply chain disruptions on a larger scale. And if you look at um, telecommunications companies, you look at um, fintech companies, you look at financial stocks, banking stocks, and that sort of thing, a lot of that is service orientated. And the service side of it will continue to um, have a demand in the stage because people will continue to use those services. Uh, they're not reliant on, um, if you take a, a, an example, uh, Apple as an example of a stock, Apple's reliant on their semiconductors and their chips arriving on time for their phones to be manufactured on time, to be put in the hands of consumers on time. Whereas if you look at uh, a telco company, as Rela mentioned, uh, the data services are there and readily available. Um, other companies like Alphabet and Meta have got cloud services readily available, even though they um, are sitting at all-time lows at this stage, well, yearly lows rather. Yeah. Um, you're still seeing that there's certain spaces where you want to be avoiding as much disruption as possible, particularly in times like this. Yeah. Um, Rela and Jimmy, uh, but I'll go back to you, Rela. We were marveling last week at how weak the banks were. Um, and one of our viewers was saying that if you've got interest rates increasing, there's this endowment effect that the banks get. Um, you're not going to see, uh, I suppose, a, a, a huge increase in bad debts immediately. And yet the banks have been whacked. Is it because people just sold everything or sold their winners or just got out the market indiscriminately, which is why you saw in particular the banking stocks take such a beating? Um, or are there other factors there that maybe we're not taking into account? Um, yeah, so I mean, I think it's probably a bit of a combination of all of that. The banks have done extremely well over the last couple of months, and there probably is some profit taking to be had. Um, I think there's also the concern around sort of loan growth. So while there may be the benefit coming through from increasing interest rates, um, you've got expanding NIMS, and as you mentioned, the endowment effect, um, sort of lower expectation on your loan book growth uh, certainly will, will put a dampen on um, on earnings growth for the banks. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's good to look at those banks that have a higher exposure um, to your non-interest revenue. Uh, so, um, as Jimmy was talking about, uh, being more uh, part of the business that are more service-orientated and not necessarily based on your loan book growth. Um, yeah, but uh, other than that, I, I agree with him in terms of that the, the banks are an area that, you know, could find some protection in this environment. And Jimmy, just maybe um, uh, before I get to questions, um, just on the banks, um, 
uh, Pitful Yudin actually tweeted quite an interesting chart talking about how you want to buy good businesses at a decent price or even moderate to sort of mediocre, uh, mocha, mediocre businesses at a great price and not necessarily great businesses at a great price. And I think his particular focus was on first rand, which has always been lauded as the best banking group, but it's actually underperformed some of the other banks in the last couple of years. Do you think you have to be quite particular in, in which stocks in these sectors you have to go for, that you'd rather go for the... The, the 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 stocks that are very have had very underwhelming uh, share price performances um, relative to to those that have quite had quite strong share price performances in the past. Well, not necessarily. I mean, you you, you can look at those because they do present um, a certain level of value, and some might be trading at a discount to their peers. Uh, but I think what you also need to take into account is in times of um, extreme volatility and extreme stress and anxiety within the market, you might find that you're better off um, putting your funds within a blue chip stock, um, paying that little bit of an extra premium, but you know that um, the particular company that you're backing has got a history of uh, a solid performance in turbulent times. So there, there are always going to be pockets of opportunities where you can pick up a really undervalued stock in a really good sector um, that might be trading at a better um valuation to it, some of its peers, and that might be in for uh, some great upside. I mean, I'll give you an example of this is, is a stock I've given out in the past is City Lodge. Um, it's come off of highs of as high as 140 Rand a share. It's trading at four Rand a share. It is a ridiculous discount at this stage, and they do still have good assets within their portfolio. And you look at a stock, compare that with a stock like Southern Sun that's um, released uh, or that's having an AGM this week. We are expecting results imminently, I think. And the, the, the performance of Southern Sun, it's up about 10 to 15 percent, depending on where you got in on that stock. Mm. Um, it's, it's performing better than City Lodge, but City Lodge is arguably at um, a discount you, you can't seemingly ignore. Um, and that's just one example in one space. And I mean, you, you're going to find those sorts of spaces or those sorts of stocks within every sector you look at. Um, another sector that you might want to be uh, looking at might, uh, as a dark horse sector might be the mining space. And that would be just purely because of the commodities pricing that we might see. As demand is stretched uh, or as supply is, is stretched to meet demand, you might find that commodities prices might go up. Um, mm -hmm. We know that there's obviously other factors around things like oil and the Russia-Ukraine tensions that you um, that might affect your stocks. But if you're looking for value within stocks, it might not always be the greatest idea to go for the top company, um, but it might not be a bad idea to go for that, that average performer who's been able to pay a consistent dividend, who's been able to um, stay afloat, able to turn a profit or turn from a loss back into a profitable state, um, especially coming out of such a tough period that we've had as, as the last two or three yeah. years. Okay. Um, there's a question that's come through on one, in, uh, well, it's an energy slash mining stock, but it's very small. So uh, um, I understand if neither of you would follow it. Kibo Energy, is this uh, a share that either of you look at? I'm, I'm sticking with, uh, yeah, no, uh, apologies to our viewer. Um, there was also a question uh, that came through earlier asking about uh, Brimstone and Choppies. And I know that they also... Uh, not closely followed. Um, Rilla, have you had a look at either of those in the, the past while? No, unfortunately not. Um, I know Choppies, I mean, in their latest results, they, they posted quite a strong recovery um, uh, in earnings. 
Um, and I know, yeah, I think they got quite punished after they uh, reported their financials late, I think about a, a year ago. But beyond that, I don't look at it closely, unfortunately. Mm. Um, Jimmy, do you have a look at Choppies or Brimstone at all? Brimstone, Brimstone is, I suppose, a fairly... Uh, you know, it's it's got a, an established B investment company. It's it's been around for ages, um, and it's got quite a few listed assets as part of its portfolio. Yeah, so um, I mean, on the choppy side of things, um, as Rela mentioned, they are expecting to have a bit of a, a good recovery. We're expecting that profits are going to come in uh, higher than expected. Headline earnings per share as well as uh, basic earnings per share are going to come in uh, almost doubling there in that range, depending on when uh, those numbers come out. But as, as yet, we haven't yet heard anything there. On the brimstone side of it, they've had a couple of fairly um, decent announcements recently uh, around the Oceana business uh, or the Oceana subsidiary. Their Sea Harvest subsidiary has done really well for them. Um, locally as well, they've had a couple of other businesses do um, fairly well in terms of numbers, uh, Overall, I think Rimstone um, does present itself with uh, somewhat of an opportunity. I mean, the, the stock last I checked was sitting at about six rand thirty-nine. Um, whether or not that opportunity is a short to medium-term opportunity is another story, because as we said, uh, we're looking at the supply chain um, side of things. And if you look at a subsidiary like Sea Harvest, for example, I mean, they went and spent, uh, I think they spent about seven hundred sixty-five million acquiring uh, an Australian business. Uh, in May of this year to streamline their um, supply chain uh, problems, particularly around some of their, I think it was around licensing and fishing around the prawn space there. And you you see from that sort of um, business decision that companies willing to spend that much money to avoid supply chain disruptions really do see this as a serious concern for them. So from Brimstone at a group level, I think um, some of their companies might uh, struggle within the coming uh short to medium term but overall you might find that um, if they are if they do have some of the other local investments that are able to uh, sort of offset against that or provide a profit against that um, they might continue to do sort of fairly well in in that space I mean they yeah. do have um, I think they've got another a reinsurance broker under their umbrella as well that they uh, that they um, have as part of their group but I think overall um, I would still approach with caution looking okay. at the factors that could um, affect a stock like Brimstone. Yeah, questions have been very slow today, and I think that's quite telling, um, Rilla and Jimmy, about, well, not just the load shedding. You know, if you have power, um, maybe you're thinking of doing other things like washing or having a cup of coffee. Um, but it's also telling about the state of the market. And I, I wonder if you are sort of bracing yourselves for indifference um, or, or just general reluctance from anyone to actually dip a toe into the markets at this point. So, I mean, really, it kind of goes back to where we started the conversation this evening. What do you think? Yeah, I think uh, ultimately, uh, I suppose we're, we're waiting out for better entry points in the markets. I think there probably will be some softness to come. Um, and we want to wait for that, you know, for real capital allocation when when valuations are looking slightly more attractive and we can really pile into higher quality companies that would usually be priced at higher valuations. And I think the market is likely to take us there. Um, over the ne next couple of months as we do see uh, higher interest rates uh, come through um, and inflation probably sort of easing off at a, a slower rate than initially expected. Jimmy, I could send a question um, for the, the financial mail's uh, personal finance section, the money section, asking what 
currencies you would diversify yourself into. Um, and other than the dollar, which is sort of the obvious contender, it's kind of it galloped. I mean, the dollar has blown everything before it um, to the detriment, unfortunately, of our own currency. Uh, and we hit 17.75 at one point today, which felt ghastly. Um, so firstly, would there be other currencies that you might consider? But having said that, with the rand where it is, particularly against the dollar, and I suppose uh, against the euro, is it, would it be a bad idea to exchange any uh, rands for any sort of overseas currency at this point in time? Well, I think from, from a rand perspective, it's a precarious position given that we are back near, um, I think the last time we saw these highs was around March, April of 2020, sort of when we went into the initial uh, level five lockdown and that sort of thing. And today, I think I saw highs of around 17 rand 79 um, oh, on gosh. the dollar. Okay against the dollar. So I, th I think it, it's very, very uh, tricky at this stage to, to look at alternative currency. And if you look at the RAND, it's still, even at the valuations that we're seeing now, it's still one of the best performing emerging market currencies against the dollar. And that's really telling of where the global economic situation is. We know that um, internationally, something like the Chinese yuan has recently come off of um, some, some good levels. It's broken a key uh, psychological level. And that was largely off the back of the interest rate cut that we saw today. We might see some recovery in something like the Chinese one down the road, given that um, their direction and their policy stance is completely the opposite of what the rest of the world is doing at this stage. And that is an extreme situation that could potentially lend itself to some opportunity down the line. However, that is still very dependent on whether or not they engage with Taiwan and the, the concerns around the the war that or the, the, the nuclear weapons or, or the attack that they might have on Taiwan or they might impose on Taiwan. And so mm. for, for that reason, I wouldn't necessarily put uh, funds towards that. I think if you're looking for uh, currencies or if you're looking um, for investments that are outside of the equity space, you may be uh, better off in the short to medium term looking towards the bond market and treasury market. And the reason for that is with the, as I mentioned earlier, we, we have 13 central banks meeting this week. We even have um, the Swiss uh, banks, Swiss central bank expected to raise rates for the first time in a very long time there as well. So you might find that some of the treasury uh, notes, whether it's the shorter term uh, three to five year notes, are offering you a better return than the currency space. It is very difficult at this stage um, to identify a developed market currency. Um, and then even harder to look at an emerging market currency, given the high levels of inflation we're seeing uh, all around. I mean, we've got Brazil's interest rates sitting at about 13% already. Um, we know that South Africa's interest rates are expected to go up by possibly um, 75 basis points as yeah. well, following the U.S.'s 75 basis points. And if we see that happen, it's expected that the dollar strength we'll see will outweigh the rand strength from that rate hike. And you might see that the rand will not... Um, strengthened below the 17 rand level as we might expect it to off the back of that rate uh, decision on Thursday. Yeah. Really, I mean, does this mean that we just cower <laughs> where we are? You know, if you have <laughs> whatever you have in your currency basket, you just keep it as is? Or uh, you know, Jimmy's kind of sketched out, I suppose, the whole scene for us. And it is quite terrifying to think that the rand is one of the best performing emerging market currencies this year. I suppose the, the, uh, maybe what we can say for ourselves is that we aren't Turkey. Uh, there's a thought, and that should make you feel better about life, right? Or Argentina, you could add that to the list. <laughs> um, okay, so I, I'm going to move on to another question. Um, 
firstly, Tungela. I mean, your thoughts on Tungela? They're going ex-dividend on Wednesday. Is it worth a punt uh, to buy? Stock's up 400% this year. Um, Rela, you know, there was some... I think there's been a lot of gaming around the fact that you could buy the stocking expectation of the dividends. Uh, would that be sort of slightly foolish at this point with a couple of days to go or, or, or in fact canny? Yeah, I mean, I, I think at this point, um, I think if you haven't been in Tungela up until now, it probably is too late to be entering the trade. Um, it's really a, a call on the coal price and, and how prolonged uh, Europe is going to be in this uh, energy crisis that they find themselves, uh, whether Russia is going to maintain sanctions for a much longer period of time. Um, and yeah, and if they don't find alternative sources uh, for energy, um, I mean, we're seeing the energy crisis is beyond Europe. I mean, we're seeing China as well with a lack of hydropower. So coal demand coming from there. Um, but I think a lot of that uh, sort of elevated coal price is certainly already in Tungela's share price. Um, and now it's about taking a longer term view. Um, and maybe taking a controversial longer-term view on whether that coal price will stay at higher levels. Mm. Jimmy, do you do you have a view on this? Well, I'm I'm inclined to agree with Rella. Um, if you look at Tungela, the stock started the year off just below 100 rand a share. We're sitting at about 375 rand a share at the moment. We've done 42 percent. Uh, sorry, we've done 12 percent in this month alone. Um, it's it's at this point, it's a very dangerous level to get in. You're sort of getting in at a rather at all-time highs for Tungela, but also at a rather high valuation. Um, we know that Tungela announced that they saw uh, somewhat of a seven seven hundred percent increase in demand for coal within Europe. But again, Morella um, alluded to this earlier: is it's going to be dependent on that demand and whether or not they're able to sustain and meet um, those demand levels. I mean, we know that there's that um, European embargo that'll be going on. Uh, Russian oil at the end of the year that'll obviously put more strain on the energy demands of Europe, given that it'll be European winter at the time. Mm. Uh, however, I don't, I would not advise getting in at the high levels that we're seeing uh, at the moment on Tungela uh, without. Uh, the, the only reason for that is your your downside and where you'd have to sort of look to potential retracement levels is quite significant. As I said, we started the year below 100 rand and we were already above. 350 rand at the stage. So yeah. there would be some room for retracement at some point, And you don't want to find yourself buying in at 375. The stock retraces to say 250 and you're holding onto that position until it gets back to 375, maybe a year from now. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that dividend's not going to make any difference if that is the case. Um, then Coronation, uh, it was actually, we discussed it last week. Um, I think it was Wayne McCurry's stock pick. Just, he was just saying it is just so ridiculously cheap. But the, the question that came through is, would you buy it? And will they be able to uh, maintain the dividend? Rilla, I, I mean, even if your performance fees are, are, are smacked by what you're seeing transpire in markets, um, I imagine that Coronation is still pretty cash generative and, and has a policy to pay out most of, most of its earnings. So I would imagine that it would be maintained. Yeah, no, I 100% agree with you. Um, the levels right now are very cheap. It is, a, yeah, I mean, from a quality point of view, it's one of those sort of higher quality companies that we have on, on the JSC. Um, really high returns, very cash generative. Um, I don't see any sort of um, risk around a lack of a dividend being paid. 
Um, ultimately, the likes of your Coronation and your, your 91 are really a geared play on the market. So it's very much telling about what people think of equity markets, um, you know, over, over the, the, the short term. Um, so, I mean, you could say, I mean, that's about timing, you know, when the market's going to bottom and then that would be the best pop, uh, time to buy uh, those stocks. Um, but at valuation levels like now, I think it's, it's still very attractive. Yeah. Jimmy, very quickly before we get to stock picks, uh, Coronation at the current price, I mean, that makes the dividend yields that much better if they do maintain it. So sure, it might be crimped a little bit if the earnings drop, but uh, do you think it's a, it's a steal? Yes. Um, it's sitting at around 30 rand a share. We know that it's reached 120 rand a share. Obviously, that was pre-COVID. It was around 2015, I believe. Um, but we've seen that in recent times, it sort of uh, tipped the lows of about 24 rand. Um, where we're sitting at the moment relative to uh, what Coronation could potentially achieve for a long-term stock pick, this is an ideal level. It's an ideal entry level. It's a good time to start averaging in. So even if it does dip a bit lower, uh, it's unlikely we'll see it come uh, below the 20 rand uh, share price at, that's at this stage. And I think it's a very good place to start averaging in. Okay. Well, st- uh, getting to your stock picks this evening, um, and Jimmy, sticking with you, what would you be looking at? Uh, it's very difficult to give a stock pick out at, at this stage um, with the expected volatility we see. Um, I'm going to go with, uh, much like Coronation, something that looks very similar in structure, that um, is a safer bet that uh, Rela alluded to earlier around the telco space, uh, MTN. We, we, 130 has always been a good price to sort of get in at, but we saw today we got as low as 126. I think we might even tap 125 in this week, uh, potentially, which would be a very good entry price to get in at. And it's a good long-term hold given MTN's performance in South Africa, their performance in Ghana, their performance in Nigeria. Um, So throughout the continent, as well as the potential for that telecom acquisition, if that does go through in the coming uh, months. Okay, great. Jamie, so MTN for you. Um, Rela, how about you? I am going to go also with quite a safe pick um, and allude to what I spoke about in the beginning within the food retailers. I'm going to pick uh, pick and pay. Um, yeah, I think the entry levels at this point or valuations aren't stretched at the moment. Um, I think it does provide some stability going through this tough economic environment. I think, I mean, the, the key re- real driver behind the pick is that I do believe that their change in strategy to differentiating their store base to directly um, talk to different customer groups, I think is very positive for a recovery and returns. So basically, they're going to be driving more turnover from the assets they have, improving asset turnover, hopefully being a key driver um, of their, their ROE over the short to medium term. Um, and also in their latest results, they showed very competitive like-for-like volume growth. So okay. taking some of back some of the market share that they've lost, um, and this hopefully this new strategy continues that trajectory. Great. We shall leave it there. Uh, Rela, Jimmy, thank you very much for joining on this, uh, the, uh, on this dark Monday evening. Uh, much appreciated. Rela Saskin is from Benguela Global Fund Managers. And uh, Jimmy uh, Moyaha is an independent analyst. And Bright is back with Stockwatch tomorrow night, same time, same place. Have a good night. Thank you.